Thanks for tuning into the Life in the Front Office podcast. I'm your host, Jay Kirschman. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And thanks to Suja Organic for their support. Remember, you can get 15% off any one-time pack on shop.sujajuice.com with the code LIFO, L-I-F-O. And enjoy today's episode. Welcome to today's episode on the Life in the Front Office podcast presented by Sujo Organic. Really excited to have on in our guest today, David Meltzer, co-founder of Sports One Marketing, entrepreneur, author, and speaker. Uh, Dave, it's a pleasure. I've, uh, you know, when I think about when we started this podcast, the, the idea with a couple of the mentors of mine, Andy Dolich, Pat Gallagher, and Fred Clare, was to inspire others, right? It was to uh, get you know, give advice, give insights, uh, help others get into the business of sports. And I didn't know anything about podcasting when we started. No clue. Want to definitely dive into kind of how you got started, but I actually listen to yours quite often. I know we've talked before, but um, you know, just kind of picking up things from others. And uh, nonetheless, super excited to have you on. So welcome. Thank you so much. Yeah, it's so interesting how podcasting has evolved and how it's evolved for different people in different ways. And I never imagined I'd be somebody that has, you know, one of the most uh, popular, but even funnier, you know, done the most podcasts. Uh, You know, there's millions of podcasts and, you know, I've done thousands and thousands with billionaires, millionaires, entrepreneurs, celebrities, athletes, and entertainers. And when I say thousands, not just my own podcast, which is up to 10 episodes a week, Uh, But more importantly, you know, I go on 12 and have 12 interviews on top of it a day, seven days a week. Um, And so it's a big part of Shakespeare. Uh, And when I say that, Shakespeare inspired me. So David Meltzer may have inspired you, Jake, but Shakespeare inspired me. Number one, it taught me the most valuable lesson of my life, uh, which is one that Shakespeare wrote about thousands of years ago, to thine own self be true. I I had never understood what that really meant until I started doing so many interviews um, and how you can reach people that are in your spectrum or frequency that resonate with who you are and be okay with people that don't resonate with who you are or don't understand who you are or don't hear what you say. Then secondly, the whole world is your stage. That was another component of Shakespeare. Uh, never before in the history of the world has the whole world been Jake Hirschman's stage. Jake Hirschman would have been regulated just to his company and to his clients and associates and channel partners. But now the whole world knows exactly who you are and can know who you are. So those were the two biggest distinguished values of these interviews and of the content that's created from them. What's the biggest thing you've learned from interviewing so many people? Because I think, you know, one would ask, like, you've done thousands of episodes why do you keep doing it right how you know are you going to end up talking about the same thing over and over again with different people and the answer is no it never it never happens that way i love that and it's so true because napoleon hill is one of my favorite authors in fact i went to the napoleon hill foundation to write my first book connected to goodness which i give to everybody by the way so anybody wants that book david at dmeltzer.com email me, I'll give it to you, I'll sign it, I'll send it to you, pay for it and pay for shipping. But the reason is, is that Napoleon Hill, who lacked the ability that we do to communicate with so many people, spent a fortune. Andrew Carnegie paid Napoleon Hill 
to go around the world and meet with, you know, 70 of the most successful people, the spirit of excellence to learn the secrets of life. That's what I'm doing. I'm being paid. I have activity I get paid for to find the lessons and give the lessons of life that I find. It's a great flow of information of lessons. And what I've learned is life is about these lessons and the lessons keep on coming until we learn them. And if we haven't learned them, then we're going to have pain, setbacks, failures, and mistakes that I want to help other people through. So the best part of my life, something I will never stop. You're going to see 111-year-old Dave Meltzer on whatever virtual augmented podcast that I'm doing, still learning lessons and interpreting them and teaching those lessons. So, uh, and I will tell you the two biggest lessons, the common denominators of all these thousands of interviews that I've done. Number one, gratitude is the common denominator of happiness. No matter how sick or well you are, poor or rich, tall or short, skinny or fat, no matter what religion, what philosophy, what spirituality you believe in, if you have gratitude in your life, it is the common denominator to happiness. Then the other lesson that I've learned because I've been blessed to be around these biggest names, right? The billionaires, the millionaires, entrepreneurs, you know, Gary Vee's of the world that I started with, the celebrities, athletes, and entertainers, they all have one thing in common. And this is something I want to learn about from everyone I talk to and talk with, the desire that you must be what you can be. This is the context of enjoying the consistent, persistent pursuit of your potential. The desire that you must be what you can be, no matter what anybody says, no, the laughing, the scoffing, the attacking, the haters, it doesn't matter. Dave Meltzer has the desire that I must be what I can be. Well, I want to go back to the gratitude thing, because I actually recently started, I, I you know, when, you, when someone says, you know, you should journal, or you should do this, you should do that. When you stare at the blank page, sometimes it's hard, right? And so you find a resource, you find some structure, right? And I've got this six minute uh, diary, right? And it, again, there's probably thousands of other things that you can go find. But uh, one thing that stood out to me is the first thing that you see on every single page is what are the three things that you're grateful for, right? And, and it walks you through how to do it and so on. But it's certainly impacting how you think on a daily basis. And when I first had a conversation with you, you said, hey, I only have 20 minute meetings and five minute conversations. I'm like, okay, first of all, how's that possible? Because we all know everybody books an hour on everybody's calendar or 30 minutes. Uh, so how do you do 20? And then five minute conversations, we've already been going for five minutes. So in theory, you would have hung up on me by now, but that's not the case. Yeah, so first of all, there's exceptions to everything. Right. The world is adaptable and amicable to the nature of my values, the what, the who, the how, the now and applying my why. But the majority of my phone calls are limited to five minutes. And it comes from a mentor of mine who passed away last week, a gentleman named Bob Proctor, who had a significant impact on my life in a variety of different ways, including Earl Nightingale and, and Napoleon Hill and, you know, reinterpreting and transcoding what they said into what was the modern day world when I was your age. But now, Bob Proctor, just, he didn't even know what he was saying. You know, he's planting seeds under trees that he may never even sit under. But he said to me one day, he said, Dave, you know, you, you do so much in a day, but you could do more. So what do you mean? He goes, you know, after five minutes, you're just visiting. And it just, that was a lesson that resonated with me. That was on my spectrum. That was hitting me in the heart. And I was like, you know what? He's right. 
I love to visit with people and I don't, I'm not productive, accessible and gracious with my time because I'm limiting the amount of time I can spend with my health, my family activity I get paid for because I like to visit with people I don't even know. And so I need to get more focused, intentional about not only what I do, but what I say, think, believe and feel in a conversation. Of course, I'm going to have exceptions to the rule. But if you spend the majority of your time knowing that you're not here to visit with people that you don't know or barely know, you're here to get things done, to maybe build a relationship where you want to prioritize the visiting time, because I prioritize my visiting time on my health and my family. I don't prioritize it, as my wife suggested one night when I used to be on the phone during dinner. She said, why is it that you treat people you don't even know better than you treat the people you say you love? That's the idea of the 520 rule. 20 minute meetings, interviews, and, and uh, if someone's willing to come out and visit with me, 20 minutes, five minutes on the phone the majority of the time. No, it's incredible. And, and uh, certainly a practice, you know, that, that takes its shape over time, right? Uh, you're not watching your clock per se, but you are in a way. Um, you know, one of the things that stood out from even just listening to your episodes and just kind of understanding why you, why you do what you do, um, you know, being able to empower others to empower others, right? And, and like, you know, you think about your mission of empowering 1 billion people to be happy. First of all, like, A, how do you count that? But B, um, that's, that's an aggressive goal. And kudos to you for, for going after it. But where does that come from? What, how, what can other people learn from you and what you're trying to accomplish? Yeah, three lessons uh, from that experience of empowering over a billion people to be happy. First, you know, I was afraid people would laugh at me, scoff at me and make fun of me because when I was inspired because my 12-year-old daughter's friend committed suicide and I couldn't understand as I did more and more research on anxiety, depression and suicide, what an epidemic and pandemic it is. I can't understand it. And I said, wait a second, I can teach people values and practices that I've learned to be happy so that they're not depressed, anxious, and, and suicidal. I, I can save lives. And this inspired me. And then I got caught in my own way again by saying, how is it that I'm going to go tell my wife after I finally rebounded from losing over $100 million, we're finally back on top. Oh, by the way, dear, my mission in life now that we've made it back is to empower over a billion people to be happy. <laughs> oh, my gosh. You got to have serious uh chutzpah as they say nerve you know you got to believe in yourself um but the first lesson is people will laugh at you scoff at you make fun of you even the people closest to you that love you the most to protect you uh but you know they will applaud you no matter how big the dream is too um you know how am i going to do it that that's where the confidence came in it wasn't just that i was going to do think say and believe but when i felt it the most is when i said to myself all I need to do is teach people like Jake, find a thousand Jakes in my life, a thousand of you that have your own audience, right? A thousand of you with the values and the practices that I've learned, the dummy tax that I've paid. If I can teach and empower you, then you'll empower a thousand to empower a thousand, a thousand times a thousand's a million, a million times a thousand's a billion. And when I did the math, it got real. It got real and I started to feel. And when you do the quantitative analysis, 
you can get that last step of feeling, not just doing, thinking, saying, and believing, but you actually feel it. And that math broke through. And then finally, the biggest lesson that I love to teach people is you ain't going to get unless you ask. And you got to ask bigger and better than you ever imagined that the universe is not a zero sum game where if you ask big, somebody else loses big. No, it's a value add game. If you appreciate what you have, it adds to the universe. Acknowledge it, give it all away, and then ask for more. So the third lesson is to ask big, ask often, don't limit yourself. And everyone can join me in my mission of empowering over a billion people to be happy through values and practices to make a lot of money, help a lot of people, and have a lot of fun. You know, getting into the sports and entertainment industry, it's, it's challenging, right? And it's not easy. But I think to your point about asking, there's a lot of people who will look at you and go, I can't ever ask Dave for five minutes, right? Why, how, why should I be able to talk to Dave, right? And the, to your point, though, is ask, go big, right? I give, out. I give everybody five minutes. Like they think there's some super, my favorite is this, you know, I have a huge coaching practice. I have a wait list for one-on-one coaching clients. I have a group that grows and grows and grows. And my favorite is I have people who pay me money for advice that are afraid to ask. They're like, oh, I didn't want to bother you. I'm like, I'm, I'm like what, what am I teaching you? Can I refund you all your money because you're not learning what I'm teaching you? I have people who pay me money to be able to have access to me that are embarrassed to ask me for help. It's crazy. What's the one piece of advice you give to those trying to get into the industry or even those that are in it trying to do something bigger and better where they are afraid to ask? Yeah, then just find one mentor. Find one mentor that will be a sponsor of yours, not necessarily a power sponsor that you'll have to ask, but use this soft question. Hey, Jake, do you know anyone that can help me? Now you use the Ben Franklin uh, effect, I call it. The Ben Franklin effect is, hey, I become an investment of yours. And as long as Jake has an open mind, so my only uh, qualification or vetting process is open mind to closed mind. If I find a closed mind, I run away. It takes a thousand times the energy to re-engineer a closed mind than an open mind. But when I find an open mind, even if I don't like to ask, I learn the subtle ask to start practicing in person on the phone, via email, even media, traditional and social media. Hey, do you know anyone that could help me, Jake? I'm looking for people to come to my free trainings on Friday. I'm looking for people that will take my free book. I'm looking for people to join the gratitude challenge. I'm looking for people. Can you help me find anyone that wants to empower other people to make a lot of money, help a lot of people and have a lot of fun? Can you give my email to those people? David at dmeltzer.com. I'm asking, but I'm not asking you. I'm just asking for your sponsorship. Sponsors are people who may know someone that can help me. Power sponsors are someone that can help you and they know someone that can help you, but you can't change a closed mind. You got to vet people for an open mind. And the easiest way to do that is ask open-ended questions. If they give you short answers or walk away or tell you to F off, run away. Thank God for protecting you from that closed mind and the closed-minded people that they surround themselves with. So many great nuggets, but one thing I got to ask is you throw your email out like that. How do you control it? And my cell phone. So my cell phone is 858-688-3294. So you know why I can do that? Because as much as we're talking about how important to ask is, the majority of the people will write down my phone number, they will write down my email address, and then be too afraid to ask me for help.
I just know it. And so, yes, I do get thousands of emails and I don't get very many phone calls. Don't text me at that number because I get too many texts, uh, but you can call me and leave me a message. I'll call you back. You'll get a five minute phone call. We can get a lot more done than my fat fingers texting you. So please, but I actually <laughs> utilize what I know about human nature and the ego that most people edge goodness out of their life. They edge God out of their life. They edge gold out of their life. They're so far in their way that they're afraid to ask for what is rightfully theirs. See, most people are trying to get happy, get healthy, get wealthy, and get worthy. What I will teach you is you already are. You already are, Jake, happy, healthy, wealthy, and worthy. I'm going to help you figure out what you're doing to interfere with it and applying your why to your life by knowing your what, your who, and your how knowing your now. Remember, prioritization is the antidote to procrastination. It's the antidote to feeling overwhelmed. It'll allow you to apply your, your why to what you want, who you can help, who can help you, how best to get it done, and prioritize the now to live your life with more money, more people, and more fun. Lot to unpack, but I think the one thing as I listen to you, right, is uh, you do things authentically to you, right? And you also, you've started all of it, right? You, what, what, which whatever you've done, you've started. Um, what's one thing you have for those that are listening who they have an idea, you know, look, I, I've written a couple books, you've written a couple, right? Like, what do you have to do to just get started? Because I think that's to your point, right? The asking, whatever it is, people just don't start. Once they get started, it's, a, it's you know, you can keep going from there. Yeah, I got a few tricks with that. One, Einstein even said, right, nothing happens till it moves. Uh, I, I have some sayings. When, when I'm not getting started, I have some sayings. One, first five minutes suck. <laughs> I just tell it like it is, man. And, you know, one of the things that's hardest to get started, especially when you're 54 years old like me, is I have 30 minutes of cardio every day. And I can't tell you how many mornings, and I do it early, right? I wake up at 4 a.m., and I can't tell you how many mornings after my meditation, I'm like, uh, you know, I do not want to get started with this. And so I just remind myself, you know what? First five minutes suck. If after five minutes, you don't want to do this, then stop. I've never stopped. I've never finished one workout and said, man, I wish I didn't do that. But the majority of my workouts, I start going, do I really want to do this? Or I shouldn't do this? Or I don't want to do it. So everyone get the mantra. First five minutes suck. I'll quit after five minutes if I don't like it. That'll get you started. Uh, another one that's practical and pragmatic is lowering the bar. So if, if when I, you know, something big, like I, I stopped working out for a while because I was prioritizing my family and the activity I got paid for. No room left for health, which was the stupidest thing. You got to prioritize non-negotiable minimum of an hour a day on your health. I'm telling you, you are healthy. You get millions of wishes. You unhealthy, you only get one wish. So I had to figure out after you know a few years of not being healthy, how to get started. That's a hard one. So I lowered the bar. The lesson in pragmatic, I lowered the bar. I said, you know what? Tomorrow, I'm going to put my running shoes on. That's all. At minimum, I'm going to put my running shoes on to get started in this effort to be healthy. I lowered the bar so far that you know anybody, including me, could do it. And of course, that first day I put the shoes on, I put the gear on. I said, I'm just going to drive the gym. I drove to the gym, just going to do 10 minutes on the elliptical. I got 30 minutes on the elliptical. And the next day I said, you know what? I'm just going to put my shoes on. 
And I got 20 minutes on the elliptical, right? Then every day I kept going, but every day as I had so much resistance to overcome, I lowered the bar, reminded myself the first five minutes suck, right? When I got on the machine, said, look, after five minutes, you can quit, you know? But you know what? It felt so good and it kept feeling good when I was done. Now I find it very easy, not only to get started, but to actually use the reversal. Don't overdo it. I'm focused more on recovery and access with my sleep than I am on actually getting started. So not overdoing it. One, one thing is we start to wrap up this episode because I promised you it'd be 20 minutes. We're, we're, we're right on cusp. Yeah. Um, you do so many things, right? So many great things in that you just keep going, right? And, and if someone says, hey, Dave, what's next, right? How do you harness what you're doing? How are you grateful for what you have? And then what is next for Dave? I mean, you've got you know, your new book in game time decision-making, right? I mean, is it another book? Is it a different podcast episode? What, how do you, how do you do it? It's all of them, right? What's next is enjoying the consistent, persistent pursuit of my potential, whether it's the book, the TV shows, whether it's speaking, coaching, whatever it is I'm doing, I'm prioritizing. And there's two levels of prioritization for me. One is I want to learn how to prioritize more into my life, not less. So I use productivity, accessibility, and gratitude to do that. But I think there's a key component as those people like you that are on the cusp of being even more efficient, effective, and statistically successful, being more productive, accessible, and gracious with your time. It's the comfortability of prioritizing and being comfortable with not being able to get everything done. See, when you shift into the realm of abundance, of a world of more than enough of everything for everyone, the hardest and most difficult thing in this transition that you're going through, Jake, with the popularity of what you have and the constructs of what you're doing is, oh my God, I can't get everything done. Oh my God. And then a lot of people get into resistance, void shortages and obstacles and constrict down from the learning zone into a smaller learning zone or a smaller comfort zone instead of expanding out and accelerating by being comfortable, being uncomfortable, being, being comfortable saying, I'm only going to be able to prioritize more today, but the more I prioritize today, the more I won't get done as well, because there's more opportunities, more options in order to get done. So you have to learn to get comfortable not getting everything done and just focusing in on how do I prioritize more with productivity, accessibility, and gratitude. Yeah. I mean, I think one of the things I've learned, I'm sure you've learned the same is you do really well in one thing, it leads to another, which leads to another. And then your whole concept of 1000 times 1000, right? It just keeps going. And so you're like, okay, I got to harness all this, right? Um, let me figure out how to be uh, as productive as possible, but by prioritizing health and so on. Um, Dave, can't thank you enough for your time, your insights, advice. Um, any, any last words for the listeners? I'm on a big campaign. We've all heard of the most interesting man in the world. I want to promote the most interested man in the world. Be more interested, my friend. Be more interested than interesting. Be kind to your future self and do good deeds. Reach out to me, David at dmeltzer.com. Awesome. Thanks, Dave. Appreciate it. And appreciate you being on the Life in the Front Office podcast presented by Sweet Organic. Appreciate Love it. it. Thank you, my friend. Take care.
Thanks for listening to the Life in the Front Office podcast presented by Suja Organic. Remember, you can get 15% off any one-time pack on shop.sujajuice.com with the code LIFO, L-I-F-O. And remember, if you like this episode or you like the Life in the Front Office podcast, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Really appreciate you tuning in and stay tuned for the next one.